thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. We are going through for the next few weeks on a series called Intentional. And what we believe here at the church is that good thriving relationships don't happen on accident. Brian's dad, he is amazing and he's also our pastor. And I never one time asked him, Pastor, how did you raise two godly kids that serve the Lord all their life? They never experienced a day of rebellion, a day of falling away, a day of not having a heart for the local church. I've never asked him, how did that happen? He never said, oh, well, it just kind of happened on accident. I don't know. I guess we just got lucky. And uh, he's always explained to me that it was very intentional and that everything they did, they knew the end goal and what they wanted. And everything, every decision they made came through, whether or not it was pushing them closer or further away from that goal. And so what we're going to do through the next few weeks is just talk about different relationships. Last week, we talked about marriage and how we have to be intentional in our marriages. And today, I'm going to talk about friendships and relationships. If you're titling this message, you can call it Friendology. And uh, for this, and we're going to be talking about different relationships, but let's go to our theme verse for this series of Philippians 2, 2, 3 through 8. says this, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not for only your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let his this mind be in in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in likeliness of men and being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death, even death of the cross. Can we just pray together before we begin? Lord Jesus, I just thank you, Father, that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I thank you that every ear is open and receptive, that every heart is softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, I declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. You know, I'm really excited about this message. In fact, if I could just say anything is this, is that over the next few moments, I'm going to try to pour a gallon jug into a cup. Um, This is usually something that I, in in preparing, it's really more of a leadership message than it is a general message. And so I just feel like even the spirit of that just speaks to what God's doing in this church, in this house, and that he's not just speaking to you in generalities, but he's speaking to you as leaders to equip you to go to the next level. You know, um, in thinking about this in friendships. And and have you ever thought about how important it is to have the right context of a word? Um, You don't know how important it is until you use the wrong word in the wrong situation. Um, A friend of ours, his name is Tim Hall. He is Australia's number one evangelist. He is absolutely phenomenal. And if you've ever met Tim Hall, he is hilarious. And uh, Tim Hall is a rather large guy. Um, For me, being a tall girl, um, it says a lot if I say that you're pretty large. Brad Tittle, I would consider him a pretty big guy. And not only is Tim tall, he's really just big. He's very big guy. And he was talking about, he's from Australia and Australians have different words that they use that they would call common that we would call strange. And so when you're talking to them, it's really easy to get lost in what they're trying to say. So he was, um, he was speaking in Houston, Texas, and he was up speaking and there was a lady on the front row and 
He had just gotten up to start his message, and the, the lady was holding her little baby, and he looked at the lady and he said, Ma'am, I would love to nurse your baby after service. And the lady was really uncertain. She pulled her baby close to her and looked at this man like, what's wrong? And he couldn't figure out. Well, the whole rest of his message was really hard because everybody in the audience is thinking this man wants to nurse her baby. But in Australia, when you say you're going to nurse somebody's baby, it means just holding their baby. And so he realized that day that not all words have the same meaning in different places. And uh, I thought that was hilarious. I love it. And so um, with that said, I think that the word friend has changed a lot in our society. And I think that our view of friendships and our ability to even make thriving relationships has drastically changed. And there was a a survey that happened recently. And these people went out and they asked Americans, how many close friends would you say that you have. And after they got done, they realized that the overwhelming consensus was that the average American has two friends, two close friends. Of those people questioned, 25% of them cited that they have no friends. So that means one in four. So stats would tell me that there's a large percentage of you in this room that even when I asked that, you could say, I cannot list one single close friend. This is interesting because 25 years ago, the same question was asked in the same area, and they found that Americans then cited at 25 years ago that they had six close friends. So they went through, and they've been trying to figure out what has made this disconnect in people, and they've realized that social media has changed the way we have relationships. You know, you're friends with all these people on Facebook, You know, I think it's interesting because you can have 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 friends on Facebook, but I can't tell you how many mornings I've woken up and checked my Facebook and there's somebody that posted at 2 or 3 a.m., I'm lonely and I have nobody to talk to. Will somebody talk to me? Isn't it amazing how we can be surrounded by people but isolated? We can be in a room that's full but still feel alone. We are the most connected society that's ever walked the face of the earth, but yet we are the most lonely and the most depressed. And I think what's happened is, is we've, we've misdefined friendship. And, and we're looking at things thinking, see, social media was never made to be a substitute for real relationship. It, it was made to be an additive. It's something in addition to. But what's happened is we've uh, prioritized a screen over living, breathing people. And, and we'll sit at dinner tables and not talk to each other. In fact, we are so afraid to talking to people anymore that restaurants now have found it wildly popular to place a, uh, basically an iPad at your table so you don't even have to talk to a waitress. We, they, they say that people's phones on businesses never ring anymore because people, if they can't order online, they are less likely to order from your organization. Because they do not want to talk to a person. The fastest growing phobia in America right now is people who are afraid of talking on the phone. That is the fastest growing phobia. I'll show you that you have that phobia because you've watched your phone ring and you've declined the call. (laughs) And you think, I'll just text them later. Have you ever done that? I do it all the time. I do it all the time. Brian will say, it would be easier if you would just call them. I'm like, but it's so much more convenient to text them. Because truth be told, here's the, here's the deal, is we've got trust issues. Because when you're talking to somebody, you can't navigate where that conversation's about to go. You don't know what they're about to ask you, what they're about to tell you. But when they text you, the control's in your court. Because if you don't want to text them back, you can wait till two hours later. Like, you are that busy 
And they seen you liking everybody's posts on Facebook and not texting them back. They know you saw it. They know you saw it. But the truth is we've got control issues. And and we don't know what true friendship is anymore. We don't know who to trust. And I I would just dare to say that we've misdefined things. And because we've misdefined them, I don't think that friendship is any different today than it was when my parents were raising me. I think the difference is is that we've just misdefined it. And and we put wrong expectations on wrong people. And we think that we can't trust friendship or we can't trust relationship. No, you trusted the wrong people. It's not that something's wrong with you opening yourself up. It's just that there's something wrong when you open yourself up to the wrong person. I'll give you an example. When you think of Taylor Swift, what do you think of? Think of music, right? She's amazing. She's an incredible songwriter. She's awesome. I love Taylor Swift. She's my guilty pleasure. I love her. Um, What about LeBron James? When you think of LeBron James, what do you think of? Basketball, right? Well, let's not talk about all the other stuff that he's associated with, but basketball, right? Okay, so let me just ask you this. If you were to take LeBron James and make him now the next Taylor Swift and you were put Taylor Swift out on the court, how many of you know that they would lose the game and LeBron would do terrible writing songs? Is there something wrong with LeBron or something wrong with Taylor when you swap their spots? No. It's just when they're in the right spot, they thrive. And I'm going to teach you today that there's not something wrong with the people in your life. The problem is, is that you put them in the wrong place in your life. And because you place them in the wrong place, you're continually disappointed. You're continually getting hurt because you're trusting who you should not trust. And you're not trusting who you should trust. And because of that, you're continually getting hurt and disappointed. And you think something's wrong with people. But the problem is you put them in the wrong place place. Are you guys ready for this? See, the most invaluable resource that you have is your time. It's not money. You can always make more money. You can make more money. You can go out and spend $100 today, and you can pick up a side job and make the $100 back like that. Boom. You can make more money, but you know, the one thing you can't get back is your time. And when you are continually investing yourself in the wrong relationships, you are wasting your time. And you would have been further down the road if you would have trusted the right people. If you would have put more of the positions of the right people in the right place. See, the Gospels tell us more about how Jesus picked his team than what he actually did. It goes through great length of detail of how he picked his twelve. But us in our own life, we spend more time trying to get to our destiny than we are trying to pick our team. If you show me your team, I'll tell you whether or not you're going to reach your destiny. It's so important that you pick the right team. I want you to do this if you're taking notes here at the church, and we hope you are, because we've got a saying here that paper never forgets. I'll forget what I preach. You'll forget what I preach. But if we write it down, we'll never forget. Jimmy, make sure and take notes. You know what's interesting? Can I, can I just tell you all something? This is going to be funny. You may like it, may not like it. I don't know. But um, I preached this message in February of 2012, and I remembered it when we were going into the series. And I thought, oh, okay, great. I'll glean from that to preach for this. Well, I couldn't find my sermon notes for that for anything. So, Brad, I I did what every woman does. She tears apart the whole house trying to find it. And I couldn't find it anywhere. I ripped through every journal, everything. And then I had a great idea because I remembered that my husband was sitting in the audience when I preached this message. So I looked through his notes and I found it. And he had the worst notes ever. I mean, he had three words and three circles and that was about it. So I thought, you know... I know Mama Nancy, um, I know that my best friend was there at that service. I know she had to have taken better notes. Her notes were worse than his. 
So I'm not sure if this is just a really terrible message or if you're just going to be so odd that you don't have anything to write down, but I'm going with that it's going to be good. So, hey, if you're taking notes, I want you to write a big circle. Write a, write a pretty good-sized circle. And then it's almost like you're making a bullseye. Write another circle within that circle. And then in the center of your circle, just write a solid circle. I'm going to talk to you about three levels of friendship. And, and what I want you to see when you look at that circle, you're going to learn in this message that there's a fine line between a friend and a parasite. There's a fine line between a friend and a parasite. The, the center here of your circle, this is your core. This is your core. Jesus had his 12. You need to have your core. The core are the people you trust. These are, your, these are your roll dogs. These are your ride or dies. These are the people that are going to be there for you no matter what. These people are in it for you. They love you. Not what you do. They love you. These are the people that you can be yourself with. These are the people that they can come over to your house and you ain't cleaned in two weeks. Laundry's piled up everywhere. Kids' beds are unmade. You hadn't showered in like two days. You smell awful. And you just sitting on the couch just casual when they walk in the door. You're not picking up anything. You don't care. Leftover hamburger helper on the stove. Come on, somebody. These are the people that you can just be yourself with. There is no false expectations. They don't expect anything from you. These are the people that you can bear your dreams, your your greatest aspirations. These are what my pastor would call, these are your dream builders. These are the people you build with. All of your life will be built around these 12, who you pick. And I would just dare to say that even from this 12, you'll have an even closer three because Jesus had his 12, but then he had the three that he was really close to. And those were the ones that went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Those are the ones that he really let see different facets of him. You do not expose all of yourself to everybody. You only show it to your 12. These are the people that love you for you. They think you're awesome. You have your worst day and they think you're great. These are the people that um, I, I just, in writing this message, I could not think of Nancy and Jimmy because they've been this core for us. You know, being youth pastors, we were, um, God just really did amazing work and we had a youth ministry that grew from two to about 250 in just a short amount of time, just boom, blew up like that. Some stuff happened and things went down and they were there, though. They were there through every step along the way. And then here we were. We were in the midst of transitioning. And we knew God was calling us here. And we weren't sure. We knew we were supposed to plant a church. And they were like, wherever you go, I will go. We don't need to know all the details. We don't need to know where you're going, what it's going to look like, if you'll pay us. These people aren't in it for a paycheck. It doesn't matter if you don't do anything for them. They're still going to be there with you. They're going to be there with you. If the whole thing goes down, they're going to be there standing beside you. Do you have a 12? Do you have people that you can turn to that it's not about? I'm talking about if you lose your job, you lose your house, you lose your car, and they're still standing beside you. Those people, you treasure those friendships. I can't help but think of our friends in Louisiana, Scott and Crystal Boney. We've been through it all with them, and they still stand by our side. There is nothing we could do that would make them go away. Why? Because they love us for us. It's not our gift. It's not what we can build. It's not how good we preach. They're in it for us. And the next group of people is your crowd. Your crowd. 
Now, these people, they live what you do, not who you are. See, I'll, I'll break it down this way. Your, your girlfriend that says you're her best friend, she just says that because you keep her kids. If you ever stop keeping her kids, she would stop being your friend. And you're hurt because you thought you were friends. You aren't friends. If she was in it for what you could do for her. See, a parasite knows only one thing, and that's to take and to never give. See, the crowd is all about what can you do for me. I'll give you the example. Jesus is here. He's preaching. He feeds the crowd. He feeds the 5,000. After the food was gone and Jesus stopped talking, the 5,000 went away. And he was back with who? His core. Because the core was never about what you can do for me. It's about we're in this together. The crowd is always when you stop doing what makes them like you, then they're gone. It's, It's your gift. And see, the problem is, is you thought they loved you for you. And so you open yourself and you expose yourself and you tell them your dreams. See, now these people also, too, I'll just say that these are the biggest crabs in a barrel because they don't want to see you succeed because to see you succeed, you'll stop doing for them what they need you to give them. So these people are often your dream stealers because they're comfortable with your relationship as long as you have this level of success. But if you, your success ever exceeds theirs, they're going to want you to stop. They're the people telling you, you can't go back to school. You won't be successful at that. Nobody's ever done that before. It won't work. Why? Because they, they need you to be a certain role for them. These relationships are always one-sided. You're always counseling them. In fact, you leave them and you feel fatigued. You ever left somebody you just feel tired? You're like, man, I need a nap. Like, that was hard. And and I'm sure you're hearing this and you think, well, I don't want that kind of relationship. You cannot have a life full of core people. You are going to have all three of these kinds of people. The problem is, is when you see it and you hear them, I can hear it. See, here's the thing that confuses people. Because a person that's your crowd is going to look just like your core. But the difference between a crowd person is they'll try to tell you they are your core. See, a core person never has to tell you, I'm the one you can trust. You know why? Because their life shows it. Anytime somebody starts coming to me and say, oh, Crystal, you can trust me. You can trust me. Everybody else will leave, but I won't leave. Yeah, that's what Peter said too, and we all know what happened. Anytime somebody has to start telling you, see, I never have to ask an apple tree what kind of fruit it produces. I just look at what's there. And from what's there, I label it what? An apple tree. See, people that try to come up to you all the time and say, no, I'm your ride or die. I'm your best friend. I am all in it. See, I've never had Mamma and Jimmy ever say that to me. You know why? Because their life shows it. And look for, look for uh, Proverbs 17, 17 says this. A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born in an adversity. See, you'll have lots of friends. But you want to know who your real brothers and sisters, you want to see who your core is? When, when everything breaks loose and you're in the w- worst storm of your life, not who's answering your text message, but who shows up knocking at your door. That is your core. That's who you should be trusting. But see, so many times we want all these other people to be our core. So we're trying to trust everybody. We're trying to love everybody because we're living out a personal need on a public platform. 
And, and we want everybody to fill this gap in us, and we're continuously getting hurt because we're trusting the wrong people. It's okay for somebody to be your crowd. But just know if you ever stop wanting to do for them what makes them like you, they're going to be gone. And be okay with that. It's okay. But just don't ever trust your crowd. And don't be sad when they go because they will go. I think of the crowd kind of like this. It's like scaffolding. Have you ever seen in Dallas when they're building a building? You have the scaffolding on the outside. And when the building's up, the scaffolding's got to go. I've never seen a building done being built, and they still have scaffolding on the outside. Have you ever seen that? It doesn't happen. In your life, when you start seeing people leave, just know they were scaffolding. It's okay. Love them when they come. Love them when they go. It's all right. Don't, don't fall in love with a temp. They were temporary. You called the temporary work commission because you needed a temporary employee. Don't be sad when their six months is up and they're gone. Don't fall in love with the temp. It's okay. When people leave your life, just know this, that it's a sign of promotion. It's a sign of promotion. Every season of my life, there's been certain people that come along. And when they leave, I always know God's about to take this to another level. Why? Because if they should have stayed, they wouldn't have been able to leave. Think about, think about when you read through the book of, when you read about Ruth and here she is and she's going and she's going with her mother-in-law and they're, they're halfway there and Orpha turns to the mother-in-law and she says, I'm going to go back. I'm going to leave. And Ruth says, no, I'm going to stay with you. I'm in this all the way. Some people are just halfway friends. Thank God that they were with you as long as they were. Quit reminiscing and wishing that things were differently. And I know it hurts and it's hard. Well, I've gone through it. We had a friend of ours and, uh, man, if there was anybody that we had gone through a lot with, it was them. Their little girl was um, diagnosed with brain cancer. And, man, we were there in the hospital. We were there. Um, I was pregnant with Bear, and we'd drive back and forth to Dallas from Sulphur Springs. We were there. Went through everything with him, and unfortunately, she lost her battle with cancer, and we were there at the funeral and cried. Oh, my gosh, like my heart just bled for them. And from that moment on, they were never our friend again. It didn't matter how much we called them. didn't matter how much we reached out to them. They wouldn't return the calls, wouldn't return anything. They just, they, it was done. It was over. It, years went by, and I, I mailed her a card because I was coming across a, a picture of Braley with their daughter, Hannah. And I mailed them a card and just said, hey, I know that our friendship's over, but I want you to know I'll always treasure that time together. And that's one of those things that it just doesn't make sense. How you can love somebody, do all the right things, but yet it's just over. Just know it's okay for a relationship to end. It's okay. They were your crowd. They were your core. If they were supposed to stay, they wouldn't have ever been able to leave. Quit letting your heart be broken. And might I just go on to say, quit letting yourself fall into another great thriving relationship because of a past one that didn't work out. Let it go. Move on. Your next thing is critics. Critics. These people love the fight. Man, they love to fight. And there's one thing that a fighter wants to do, and that's what? Fight. It's not about you. They just love to fight. They're just critical. These are the people that it doesn't matter what you do, they're going to lean back and tell you how you could have done it better. 
Come on. And a lot of times, might I just say, that a critic will often look like your crowd. Because it's, it, it'll, until everything starts really heating up, do they really start lashing out? Now, the problem is, is when you get lonely and you start confiding in a critic, what you should be confiding in on your core. And see, what will happen is, is when they don't need you anymore, or when they know that they can use what you told them against you, they're going to now use what was confided in secret as artillery to take you down. And it's not their fault. It's that they're a critic and they're a fighter and fighters want to fight. They love the fight. They love to see somebody go down. It's inside of them. They can't help it. There's something broken on the inside of them that they just want to see people not succeed. And it's nothing against you because they've been that way to every single person. I'll give you an example of how a critic's opening line is whenever they start to talk to you. Well, my last church... My last pastor, he didn't, a critic will tell you, well, this other friend, when I was friends with them, they did this to me. And just remember that a dog that's carrying a bone will always bring a bone back. And what Susie says about Sally says more about Susie than it does about Sally. And just know when a critic's talking to you about somebody else, is somebody with me in this place? That it won't be long and they're going to be talking about you to somebody else. Because after they get done destroying you or finding out enough about you to use against you, they'll go to somebody else and use it again. Don't ever trust a critic. If if they're always criticizing other people, watch yourself. They're always talking about how somebody could have, and they say it like a compliment because it comes across real sweet. This is the way it was with them, but, oh, it's not that way with you. Oh, no, it, will, it won't be long, and it'll be that way with you. You know why hurt people hurt people? Hurt people hurt people. They can't help it. Just don't trust yourself to them. You know, Braylee, my daughter, she is uh, 10 years old, and she came home from school one day, and she was really distraught, and this little girl is awful. Little girls are terrible. Can I just say that? Man, they're mean. People say all the time, I want to go back to school. I miss those days. I don't miss those days. That was rough, man. Junior high is tough. And uh, she was talking about this little girl and everything Braylee does, this little girl doesn't like. She doesn't like the way she smiles. She doesn't like the way she eats. She doesn't like the way she talks. She doesn't like the way she sits. It's like everything she does. And I said, baby, I said, quit letting yourself get hurt by a critic. You're calling her friend. She's not your friend. Your friend won't criticize you like that. Let it go. See, here's the thing is when you look at your rings, the furthest ring is the critic. And the reason why they're the furthest furthest ring, see, let me just tell you something. If Corey were over in Caddo at his house and he started hollering, I'm standing here at occasions, can I hear him hollering? No, why? Because there's enough distance between us. So you need to put enough distance between you and your critics. Let me just tell you, don't take every Facebook post about you as something that you need to redefine your life by. Every little private email, because you feel brave behind a keyboard, hammering it out at night. Don't listen to that stuff. You think you're so bad because you can send an anonymous email. You ain't bad. You're a chicken. Say it to my face. 
But for real, had somebody one time, they, this person was a snake. They walked back to the sound booth and they got um, a sheet of paper that I knew was from the sound booth, wrote the most disgusting, vile note to me, had an usher pass it up to me. Pass it like we're in high school. Pass the note up to me. Church news is playing. I'm preaching that Sunday. And somebody taps me on the shoulder and said, here, this is a note for you. I saw the paper. I thought it was a sound booth saying we need more, I don't know, flash drives. We need more pins. We need more something, right? I'm thinking it's one of my core trying to talk to me. So I open it up, and I read the note. And as I get done reading the note, it's time for me to step up and preach. So you, you want to know how hard that message was, knowing that he's sitting out there? Signed it, love your brother in the Lord. It's a critic. And Brian, he said, it's not his fault, it's your fault. You read the note before you got up to speak. You let him in. That's why now you can put notes on my seat before service. I ain't going to read it till I get home. I ain't going to read it, critics. I ain't going to read it. I'm sorry. It may be the sweetest, nicest card. I'll find out when I get home because you know what? I'm not going to open myself to that. I'm going to keep my critics far. I'm not going to let you have voice to that. Quit letting people who are against you have voice to redefine you. Stop letting them in. Build some barriers. Build some walls. Yes, you can still love them. Yes, they can be in their life. But when they tell you you did awful, take it with a grain of salt. Listen to your core. There is a handful of people that when they speak to me, I know that they're in it for me. And I listen to those people. Come on, is this good for anybody? The, see, the defining line between all these is motives. That's, that's what separates your core from your crowd from your critics is motives. The critics want to see you go down. Your crowd just wants you for, for what you can do. But your core, their motive is to see you succeed. Keep that core close. So what do you do now? I, I can see your brains turning. Man, you're thinking, oh, man, a bunch of my friends I thought were friends. They're all critics. I got, I got a whole bunch of jokers. Get in a community group. But for real, I can tell you, Brittany, back over here, she started coming to mom's group. And through that mom's group, she found her core. I can tell you about how Greenville group on Sunday night, a group of people coming together, and as they came together and they began to grow together, they found their core. I can tell you our worship team, as, as they began to worship together and practice week after week, they found their core. But here's what I want you to do. What do you do when you realize that you thought a core was your critic or you thought a crowd was your core? This is what you do. Number one, most relationships just need to be redefined. Just redefine it. Quit expecting Taylor Swift to play basketball. Stop. If you're disappointed in a relationship time after time, it says that you are putting expectations on them that they could never fulfill. And there's nothing wrong with the person. It's just that you had put a wrong expectation on them. They're not able to do it. It's okay. So number one, just redefine it. Know now what to expect from them. Number two, end as positively as you can. End it as positively as you can. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc.com. 
If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.